This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome to the Fit for Success podcast. Brian Semling is an experienced entrepreneur with over 25 years in business. He is the founder and CEO of Blitz Innovation. He has built several brands, such as Brian's Toys, a collectible toy business, to several Amazon FBA brands like Strictly Bricks and Clever Creations. His latest adventure is Rovox, a modern athleisure footwear brand which can be found at rovoxfootwear.com. On the podcast, Brian will talk with other entrepreneurs and social media influencers about their entrepreneurial journey, from what it takes to start and run a business to how they may continue to grow their brands and where they see themselves in their businesses in the future. And now, here's your host, Brian Semling. Welcome to the Fit for Success podcast. I'm Brian Semling. Today, our guest is Sydney Swift, the co-founder of Defiant. Welcome, Sydney. Hey, what's up? Good to meet you today and have you on the show. Um, go ahead and uh, take a few minutes to tell our audience about who you are and your background, kind of what your journey has been to where you're at in your business today. All right. Uh, yeah. I mean, I just ran through the whole the whole background with you pre-recording, but I'll, I'll, I'll kind of try to shorten it and sweeten it for uh, you know everybody. Uh, basically, I started my career uh, as an intern worked my way up to producing songs with, you know, Beyonce, Major Lazer, Lil Wayne, et cetera, and pivoted to technology-focused entertainment around 2016. Um, kind of started defiant with the idea that from my last seven years of experiencing the music industry and what was going right, what was going wrong, uh, I started Defiant with this idea that like leveraging technology uh, and entertainment was going to be the future of the music world. And then that's kind of where we got started. We ended up um, partnering with Atlantic Records for doing a virtual artist. We ended up doing uh, a lot of blockchain and crypto stuff. And yeah, it's just been like a really fun ride. Just, you know, doing the music technology, culture, uh, business models. It's been fun. It sounds like, um, and, and we talked about this a little bit uh, as we we're getting started here today, but that really where you you came into this with roughly seven years, kind of more of a traditional music producer, engineer background. And because of your personal interests as kind of a, a futurist, that it kind of led you down this tech entertainment path. And you were ahead of your, your time basically just five years ago, right? So do you want to tell us a little bit about that and kind of the reaction that people have had, um, especially initially where you kind of found yourself, you know, ahead of your, ahead, the market wasn't quite ready for you basically. Yeah, it, it was not. I mean, in 2016, uh, I don't even think the word web three was a thing yet. I mean, maybe it was like just getting started. I mean, like even like Ethereum had just the white paper may have, it was like 2014. So yeah, like it's just like everything was just bubbling brand new, like 
you know, like Bitcoin, um, Web3 metaverse, like all of those terms were just kind of still underground. And it's funny, like it very much parallels my same kind of dynamic in the music industry, which is like, you know, you don't realize what when you hear a song, most of those songs are probably two to three years old because when you make them, you start this idea and then it it's just a skeleton of an idea and it goes into one artist and then another artist and then somebody else cuts it and then added layers. And, you know, and by the time it, a song hits market, it's two or three years old, most of the time. Mm. And it's similar to what, I guess, like moving into, you know, as an entrepreneur starting, you know, a tech business, I, I kind of brought those same formulas with me, which is like, think, think ahead because by the time this hits market, like um, it's either going to be right on time or too late, you know? So we were building these uh, virtual artists and metaverses in, in 2016. And I would like, like I was saying before, I would walk into record labels and be like, you know, I have this technology where you can perform, but you don't have to be there. And you can do a world tour all in one night in 200 different countries. Like, doesn't that intrigue? And like, everybody was like, I don't understand any of this. Why would I ever want to go to a digital show? Like, it makes no sense. And then like, you know, fast forward to when the pandemic hit. And that's, I think everybody started to really realize the true value and power and scalability of, of digital entertainment and how much time was about to be spent in the digital or in the metaverse, quote unquote. Where were things at just before the pandemic, right? Because I can get like, people kind of got forced into the future at that point. But where yeah. was the reception at like in whatever, first quarter, you know, 2020, fourth quarter, 2019, just before it all hit? Like, was there, were things picking up for you? Was there reception or was it still kind of tough? It's funny because like, I like to think about like the business was pitching a couple different products, right? We were pitching songs and songs are very run of the mill. Like you get what you get. It is a song, you know, like it hasn't changed since 19, the 1900s to now what a song is on the radio or whatever. But the way we were, the other product was the artist. And that was the virtual artist that we were pitching and the delivery system of the song and what people were going to be, you know, fans of the brand, the uh, voice. Uh, and I think that's what people didn't understand. Yeah. So I like to, I like to think of it like, you know, back in 2020, like right before the pandemic hit, like I was pitching a web three product to web two consumers. And I didn't even realize it at the time, but that's what was happening. And, and I was like trying to force this idea of understanding the value, but the consumers, it was just hitting the wrong target market, you know? So I think that was, you know, when the pandemic hit, we were able to kind of restructure and re-pivot on like the delivery of how we're pitching the products themselves. And they've been much more receptive since then. Obviously that coupled with everybody's intrigue in the metaverse and, you know, and then, I mean, you know, Mark Zuckerberg announcing the metaverse, like, like that was the busiest week of texts of my life. Like everybody who I've been talking about the metaverse with, like over the past two years, texted me on that day. Right. Oh my God, that thing. These trends were moving in the, you know, this direction, but the pandemic accelerated it probably kind of brought things faster than they would have come along otherwise. And more, uh, more receptive. So 
you know, one of the things I like to ask about is, you know, some of the challenges you've faced. I think we've just kind of talked through some of those. And, and then obviously also the the opportunity that um, that was, you know, out of your control, but you were prepared for it, obviously, to, to kind of capitalize on. So what does the future look like? So you've kind of started about six years ago or so. What does the what does the next several to five years? You're always, you know, looking ahead as good business people do. And then you're kind of, I think, um, maybe even more so than most, right? So what's where do you see things going over the next, you know, for, for you and your business over the next several five years? It's a great question. Um, I'm a big believer in web three technology and and you know smart contracts and tokenomics and that whole that whole movement and i think it's you know revolutionary game-changing technology and i feel that like if you look at history repeating itself i personally feel like we are in 1996 of web one yeah when everybody web three but for Web3 nowadays, right? Like yep. it was like back then it was like everybody heard of the internet, but they didn't really understand it, but they knew it existed and they yep. knew some people were getting rich off of it, but they didn't really know how. And, but then what happened is like the media started talking about it and then businesses started to, you know, get involved in it. And between 1990, I think it's something like the statistically, I think it was like something like between 1991 and 1996, 100,000 websites were made. And from 1996 to uh, the bubble bursting in 2000, we hit like 1.7 million. Yeah. Like, so it was like a, this huge increase in like output of products and services being offered on the internet. And I feel like we're right there right now where- Like you know, 1996, the- 19- 1996, like 1997, maybe where like people are now starting to realize the power of web three. I mean, like open C is doing, yeah. I mean, if you think about like the board ape yacht club is a great example of like a, one of the main NFT brands that has just proved scalability. Right. What I think is about to happen is we're going to see a lot more situations like that where Web3 technology companies and, and products like scale to that level where people take them more seriously. But on the flip side, I think that the idea of distribution is about to change dramatically because in Web2 and Web1, the idea is let me get my product in front of as many eyeballs as humanly possible so that my conversion rate of 0.001% allows me to make more money than I invested in marketing, right? And it's that flywheel of like, you have to distribute to as many people as possible to make the sales. In web three, it's the opposite. It is building from the ground up instead of from the top down. So like, if you think about Board Ape, for example, again, going back to them, like they're a $500 million company. They only have 6,000 people that actually own Board Apes. So that's like a really interesting dynamic change of how are you distributing your product in order to reach that 500 million mark or that unicorn mark. And so I think that they cracked the code. I think a lot of people in Web3 are, are realizing that the power of community and ownership and all of these diff, like almost like business school flips on the way people are traditionally think about how things work. 
it's about to get really, really interesting over the next three to five years. I mean, really like just the next decade is going to be so much fun in at this huge shift in like the way consumers get paid for their attention, the way that, uh, you know, community uh, and products are being distributed and built. It's, it's going to be really crazy. Do you have any advice to uh, current entrepreneurs, business owners, or maybe someone who is thinking of starting soon? Uh, how they might think about things differently with that Web 3.0 mentality in mind. Yes. Rovox, where fashion meets fitness. Yeah, I mean, there's like so many, there's so much advice, but I guess the best thing that I can do, right? And like, again, I think we talked about this earlier, like you just have to dive in. You have to experience it like a consumer. And I think that that's the hardest part to do because like right now, like I like to say I, I, when I'm doing marketing or really any community building or anything, like I split my verticals into three categories, the web two vertical, the web 2.5 and web three. And the web two vertical is consumers that don't care about crypto. They think it's bad for the environment. They think it's Ponzi scheme. They don't want to hear about it. So there's no point in marketing to them as you would a, a, the Web3 vertical, which are, they bought NFTs, they have you know uh, crypto wallets, they understand the value proposition of IP ownership. And then you have this huge middle ground of crypto curious people, which like are people that they, it's not that they don't want to learn or they don't wanna see, it's just like the right now, just like the internet was in 1996, there's like this huge hurdle for participation. Like it, it, it's not as easy as a click of a button. You have to spend 14 days waiting for Ethereum to hit your wallet. So, you know, like, and verify your ID, like all of these things get in the way of just making it easy onboarding ramp for consumers, which is going to go away eventually. But I think that the best advice I can give is to like get through that hurdle yeah. and start to participate because it completely changes your mindset on how the future of marketing and delivery and building is, is about to happen. It's like the so writing is basically, uh, if you're curious, if you're in that 2.5 range, like go get some Ethereum, go buy an NFT, go jump in discord, just go make mistakes. You know, like I like to like usually tell like, you know, people like set aside a little, a certain amount of money and call that my education fund. Yeah. You know, and like, that is like basically your college fund for web three and you just dive in and like, if you get rug pulled by, uh, you know, a, a scam NFT thing, like, oh, now you know what to not look for. You have to go through the ropes in order to experience. It's not your retirement fund. It's your uh, education fund. Like it's your said. education fund. Exactly. And your losses. Um, it's fun listening to hear, uh, listened to you speak about the uh, Web 1.0. I imagine that you're too young to, to remember it yourself, or were you around, uh, were you old enough to, to remember some of this yourself? I, I was like right on the precipice. Uh, I remember the boom and bust, but like I was in like middle school, like yeah. back then. So like, it wasn't like me thinking from like an entrepreneurial, like, right. You know, I can remember some of this, like I was a teenager to, you know, 20 year old during this time period, basically. So I can remember it. I mean, it's been a few years, right. But I can remember it. Like, I remember people talking about in the media, talking about the information superhighway. It was always like what the media would use in like the early nineties. I was like, what's that, you know? And so um, it's interesting to hear you talk about the 
you know, the internet and the transformation that took place in the nineties that, you know, that every, you lived through it, but you were very young. Right. So that basically just that generation or that half generation older than you, you know, fully lived through and remembers, um, you know, kind of as slightly older, basically. So all the things you're talking about, like, I remember them fairly clearly and you're remembering them mostly from history, uh, proverbial books, basically, you know, although you were there, so it's not quite like, yeah, but it's still like, no, exactly. It's like, you know, it's, it's studying versus living in it, <laughs> you know, right. A thousand percent. And like I said, like if you've lived in it, it's a completely like, I lived in it through the, the mobile Renaissance, right? Like I was there when like Spotify became a mobile app. I was there when like, you know, streaming started to pick up. And like, I just remember those key moments. I mean, when you talk about like being early and like futurism and stuff, like I, I guess I've trained myself to identify as like when there are these moments in cultural shifts and people don't take certain things too seriously that like, instead of shrugging it off, like those are the things that I dive into. Yeah. And you have to be, I majored in uh, history and you kind of have to be, if you're going to be a futurist, you kind of have to be a historian at the same time, right? Like you have to understand history. Um, I remember an example that you took to your point is I remember going to a wedding around the year 2000 and just being at a, at a dinner table, you know, at the reception, talking with people who were afraid to use their credit card online because it could be stolen basically. And it kind of, and it feels very much like what you're talking about, like just signing up for that, you know, uh, buying some Ethereum and, you know, and buying an NFT basically where, Although for me at that time, like I was, you know, more in your seat where it's like, all right, I was selling online in, we're selling remotely since 94, but online since 97, 98. So for me, I was like, why are you afraid to put your credit card into Amazon? And, you know, it's like, that's, that's not really a thing. Like you don't need to be worried, but obviously some people got scammed, right? I mean, not some credit card transactions didn't go right when you ordered something online and just like something can go wrong with um, with buying an NFT today, like you're pointing out basically, right? So, and now I'm sure all of those people are, you know, it's 20 years later are, you know, buying half of their consumer products on Amazon and yeah, online. Exactly. So. I mean, it's, it's like the waves, you know, like you could look at the charts and watch it happen, like, you know, bubble and then burst and then the market resets. And then, you know, if the, the technology and the companies that had great foundations end up rising up again and becoming the standard. So that will happen again with, with crypto. That will absolutely happen with crypto. We are like, like I said, we're 9097. So we have a cup. I don't know exactly the number, but like we have some time right now to like capitalize on this momentum. And then eventually we're going to hit this breaking point where it's just like, nope, that it was too good, too, too good, too soon, like, or too much, too quick or whatever. Yeah, a little too excited, basically. And then you got to kind of reset to, Eventually the fourth uh, or something next, basically. Right. That's kind of the. Yeah. Or like, you know, like we'll hit a precipice and then there'll be a burst and then blockchain technology will like similar to how internet did in 2000, like the next 10 years will be like this tremendous growth, but instead of it happening in two years, it's going to happen over 10 and it's going to become the norm. So like in 10 to 15 years, like we will all be trading cryptocurrency, like buying coffee with crypto, like it doesn't necessarily will be, it might not be Ethereum or it might not be Bitcoin or whatever, but like everything will be digital just like it is like, like I, I mean, to be like, to go real meadow on you. Like I have a feeling that in the future, everybody's going to have their own token and every company 
is going to be paying people for their attention. You know, like we're using Zoom right now, you know, who's getting rich? Zoom, right? But like, if imagine if we were getting paid Zoom coin and a portion of Zoom's revenue went to Zoom coin. So like, as we're using Zoom, we're getting paid and we can go buy Starbucks with it. Like that is, I think the, the next 20 years, like once the regulation kicks in, once, you know, we get all the scamming and, and regulation, like, you know, on track, I think it's going to get to its core. It's just going to become like the standardized technology that drives e-commerce, entertainment at kind of at literally, literally everything until quantum computing, but that's even way further down the line. Well, this has been very interesting and fun. And uh, I've been, I had a good time learning about your business and just kind of the whole uh, kind of having a, a futurist type of discussion here. As we're getting kind of close to the uh, to the end, I kind of uh, of this interview. I kind of want to ask, uh, want to give you a chance. Is there anything I haven't asked today that you would uh, that you wished I would have? Oh, I don't even know. <laughs> how do how do other people answer that? That's a really good question. Sometimes we've covered enough. Other times there's something that they really do wish uh, I had asked or that they would like to would like to talk about. So it's a good chance for you to to uh, cover anything that, whether it's about our discussion here, where we've left off or about your own business, anything to, to work in. So entirely I mean, how you feel, there's not a right, right or wrong answer to the question. Yeah. I guess like, you know, my publicist would like tell me, let's like shill the business right now. So like, you know, you could check out the website, you know, if you want a metaverse. Yeah, so tell or us what, what are the URLs and how can our audience find you? That's a yeah. So Defiant.co or D-E-F-I-E-N-T.co is the, the parent company. And uh, and from there, you can kind of see all the products and services we, we offer. And I guess like we also, you know, are a great starting place if you want to understand like, you know, discord and community building and all that stuff. I like, it's like, I think that the chill pill discord is a great place to start. We have a great community of like musician and who, who doesn't like music, you know? So there and understanding like, you know, how a music community works is a cool place to start too. But, but yeah, I guess that's it. You can check out the stuff. Well, cool. And I, you've got me interested in some of this stuff. I know my son is a video gamer and he talks about discord once in a while. So I've got to check it out. And uh, what we got to do is we got to turn the Rovox shoes into metaverse 3D assets so that people can just wear them on their avatars when they're that, playing, you know, games. That is a really interesting idea. Uh, is this something that your business, uh, do you do things like that? I mean, that's kind of a, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like we, a part of the, the business is like a web three agency. So we help, you know, other businesses kind of, find their model and scale it. But yeah, just looking at those shoes behind you, like those look 3D to me. <laughs> like they look so fire. Yeah. Well, cool. I appreciate that. Um, so basically kind of a takeaway there is that you can act as a uh, defiant, can act as a consultant for you know current businesses who are not in the web 3.0 space to maybe find where they could fit in that space. Is that kind of the... Absolutely. One of Absolutely. the things that you can help us. That's kind of a... That's kind of a neat idea. We might have to have a follow-up discussion uh, on that ourselves. So, well, yeah. thank you very much for, uh, for joining us today, Sydney. It's been a great, uh, a great chat and um, you've got very great, interesting insights into kind of what's going on today. And I think trends that are, uh, you know, that we're moving into. So thank you very much for joining us today. It's been a pleasure. I appreciate it. It's been fun. Good deal. I'm Brian Semlin, and this is the Fit for Success podcast.